Did you know that there are over 900 different types and translations of the English Bible? That is a crazy amount of translating. But not every translation is created equal. Which begs the question, which Bible translation should I use to read and study from? That's what we're covering on today's episode of the Grafted Podcast, the insider's guide to choosing a Bible. Welcome to the Grafted Podcast with your host, Adam Weather, bringing you encouraging stories, in-depth conversations, and practical biblical teaching for everyday life. Have you ever gone to the store and on your list it says that you need more cereal? As you walk down the cereal aisle, there are hundreds of boxes with all kinds of cereal in all kinds of shapes, sizes, colors, cartoon characters even. There are some that has cereal that has bran and shredded oats. There's cereal for kids that is loaded with chocolate and marshmallows. And then there's also all kinds of these toaster pastries that are filled with gooey goodness. Now you have a decision to make. How are you going to choose which one to get? Believe it or not, choosing a Bible is a lot like choosing a cereal. It can be a little bit overwhelming at times. There are just as many, if not more, options to choose from, and it isn't as simple as what you might think. You could go to your local bookstore, head over to the Christian section, and buy a Bible. While there is only one Protestant Bible, there are plenty of translations that are on the shelf, and not all of those translations are created equally. In this episode, we are going to talk about how to choose a Bible to read and study from. As Christians, it's extremely important for us to continually learn about God, grow in our faith, and act on what we believe. This happens as we spend time with other believers, as we pray, and as we study God's Word. In studying God's Word, we need to have our own Bibles to study. Through reading God's Word, we learn and understand who God is, we learn about God's law, and His purpose for our lives. If we read and study the Bible properly, it isn't just another obscure book, but it actually brings purpose and meaning into our lives. The problem isn't just with us understanding it, though. In reality, the problem lies with how we obey what God says and how we put His words into practice. We've all heard the saying, you are what you eat. Well, it's the same for what we put in our minds as well. If we read and study God's Word, it becomes part of who we are and what we believe. Our goal in studying the Bible is first to grow closer to God, and second, to allow it to change our lives from the inside out. Studying the Bible is how we hear God's Word for us today. The first thing we have to do is get past all of the marketing. Just like with cereal brands, there is a ton of money spent on marketing and selling Bibles. With so many different options on the table, both seasoned and new believers often wonder which Bible translation is the best one to buy. They come in every shape and size. They come in quite a few varieties. There's everything from serious, intensive Bibles for studying 
to trendy additions for culturally relevant issues and themes. There are endless options that Bible publishers add in, which can make choosing a Bible difficult as well. These add-ons are things like commentaries, maps, graphs, concordances, devotionals, reading plans, journaling areas, and all kinds of other things, all of which are marketing tactics to make you want to buy one Bible over another. They are not part of the translation of the original text. That's why we have to look past the marketing and formatting of a Bible to learn what translation is actually being used. Now, these extra add-ons, they're not bad things. In fact, some of them are extremely beneficial. But when choosing a Bible, this must be the last thing that we look at. So we will circle around to this a little bit later. According to the American Bible Society, there are so many different versions of the English Bible that no one can give an exact number. Now, why is that? The answer is actually quite simple. Languages change. You see, translations are essential for people who don't read the original Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek languages that the Bible was originally written in. And if people today are going to be able to understand what God is saying through his word, they need to be able to read the Bible in their own language. And there are two parts to this. First, when we look back at episode two of the Grafted podcast, we talked about where the Bible came from and who decided what would be in it. We know that God is the author of all scripture, but he used humans over 1,500 years and through three different languages to create his word. These three languages, they don't translate perfectly into English. So now translators must make a few decisions on whether they want to convey the exact words or the central idea of the original text. Some translations are literal word-for-word -word translations. Others are thought-for-thought -thought translations, and there are a variety of mixtures between the two. There is even a category of freestyle or paraphrase translations. These different translation philosophies created the Bible translation continuum, and we'll talk about that here in a minute. We can see the second part pretty easily if we look at texting over the past two decades. When texting first became a thing, we used the T9 keyboard, which utilized the number keys on our phone to text out every word. Then we started abbreviating certain things like laugh out loud, which went to LOL. And today, even with a full keyboard that we don't really use as much, we send emojis and GIFs. It's the same with the English language. The way that English was with the words, the punctuation, the grammar, and the idioms of the year 1611 when the King James Version was published, it was way different from today's English. When the language becomes outdated and difficult to understand, it needs to be revised or updated for modern everyday speech. Older words need to be replaced with newer ones. Same thing with grammar and punctuation. 
The goal in creating revised versions was not to change the meaning of the Bible, but instead to use modern language to convey the exact same meaning that the original languages had. When it comes to translating the Bible, there's actually a science that goes in behind it. Translators, with this science, they look at two different areas. They look at the textural and the linguistic side of scripture. When they look at the textural side, they are looking at the character, quality, and the age of the manuscripts. They're also looking at different kinds of issues and errors that happened as the Bible was being copied. For example, the King James Bible was translated from the Septuagint, which was the Greek Bible of the day. The problem with this comes with the Old Testament, which was originally written in Hebrew. When the Reformation happened, it was noticed that there were a few issues that happened during the translation from the Septuagint into English. These problems were solved when translators went back to the original Hebrew and translated that into English. Another issue is that the manuscripts were copied by hand many times over again. And just like playing the game telephone when we were kids, there were the same type of differences and issues that showed up. This is why it's important for translators to use the oldest known manuscripts in the original languages instead of newer translations like the Septuagint or the Latin Vulgate. On the linguistic side of things, they have to look at the verbal and grammatical parts of the original languages and how to transfer those words and ideas from one language into another. In their book, How to Read the Bible for All It's Worth, Gordon Fee and Douglas Stewart say, the best theory of translation is the one that remains as faithful as possible to both the original and the receptor languages. But when something has to give, it should be in favor of the receptor language. That is, without losing the meaning of the original language. Each translation of the Bible has differences in its purpose and writing style. There are different translations created to reach people with a variety of literary backgrounds and tastes. For example, the New Living Translation is simpler to understand than the New American Standard Bible, which is more complex. There are some Bibles, like the New International Version, that are found somewhere in between the two. This is where the Bible Translation Continuum comes in. The Bible Translation Continuum is a tool to see where a translation is at on a formal or a functional scale. This tool is also known as the Formal or Functional Equivalent and Historical Distance Scale. Now, just for your viewing pleasure, I will put an example of this on our website, showingtheworld.com, in the blog. On the far left of this scale are some of the formal word-for-word -word translations. This side attempts to maintain the translation as close as possible to the original languages while still keeping it understandable. Bibles on this side include the King James Version, the American Standard Version, and the English Standard Version, along with many others. On the right side of this scale are the functional thought-for-thought -thought dynamic translations. These translations try to convey thoughts and ideas from the original language to another with less concern in using the exact wording or phrasing. On this side, the Bibles are 
ones like the New Living Translation and the Contemporary English Bible. Now, there is another part to this scale that's even further to the right that is considered to be free or paraphrased Bibles. If the Bible Translation Continuum scale put the formal and functional sides on a piece of paper, the free and paraphrased translations would be on the moon in many cases. These translations attempt to convey the idea or thought from one language to another. They try to stay faithful to the intent of the original text, but end up eliminating much of the historical context. The author of these translations often is translating from a modern translation and introduces the way they wish the concepts would have been conveyed instead of what was conveyed in the original text. Translations considered in the free-slash-paraphrase category are ones like the Living Bible and the Message Bible. Translating the Bible is extremely complicated work. Mark Strauss said, Translation entails reproducing the meaning of a text that is in one language, the source language, as fully as possible into another language, the receptor language. Translators make difficult choices in how to say something from the original language into the new language. Sometimes this means choosing between two equally good but different ways of saying something. Individuals and committees often have differences of opinion about the best way to make these tough decisions. Translators working by themselves, they may have editors or a board to help make those decisions, but a lot of times these editors or board members, they may or may not have a biblical background. Now, on the other hand, committees of translators, they spend time in discussion to come to an agreed upon decision. Now, how exactly do we find out about all of this information we've been talking about? You see, each reputable Bible translation has a preface. And this preface is found in the front of every Bible translation, and it tells you everything you need to know about that translation and how it was made. That's why it's important to sit down and actually read the preface of each translation that you're considering. This preface will tell you about the philosophies that were used, about the principles and styles that were used, specialized terms, history, who all was involved, and other special features of that particular translation. For example, in the preface of the English Standard Version, you will find that the English Standard Version is the fifth generation grandchild of the King James Version. It's essentially a literal word-for-word -word translation that tries to stay as literal as possible while maintaining clarity in modern English. And it was also translated by a team of over a hundred people with an international scope from many different denominations. This team compared the King James to the oldest manuscripts that were available, made revisions on any discrepancies they found, and then translated it back into modern English. Okay, I get it. You're listening to this to gain some nugget about what Bible translation you should choose. You're wanting to hear the secret of choosing which Bible translation is best for you. But to be perfectly honest, 
Nobody can really speak for someone else on this matter. There is really no one size fits all Bible. Some people want and need a literal word for word translation and others want or need a more dynamic thought for thought translation. What's most important is that you are able to choose a Bible that helps you understand the original meaning of the author and what he was trying to convey to the original audience. Because of this, I cannot give you a definite use this translation over another answer. But I can give you some guidelines to go by, and I can tell you what my personal preference is. So here are my four guidelines to help you choose the best Bible translation for your personal Bible study and reading. The first guideline is to choose a translation in the language you natively speak. This will help make it easier for you to read and understand what God's Word says. The second guideline is to choose a translation that is translated from the oldest available Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek manuscripts, not from the Septuagint Greek Bible or the Vulgate Latin Bible. The third guideline is to choose a translation that was made by a committee of qualified translators. There are a lot of people out there that try to translate their own version of the Bible, but they're not qualified to make those difficult decisions. That's why it's really recommended to choose a Bible translation that is made by a committee of qualified translators. The fourth guideline is to choose a translation for your own needs. Do you want a word-for-word or a thought-for-thought translation? Or do you want something in between? Those are the four main guidelines. Reading a translation of God's Word should be enjoyable, and it should also cause you to grow in your faith. While you should choose a translation that you like, that should not be the only reason you choose it. Nor should you choose a translation based on what a friend or family member uses. Look at the preface and decide if the translation fits your needs. Thankfully, with the internet, you can research different translations before even stepping into a bookstore or going to Amazon. Another cool thing is that with the YouVersion Bible app, you can test drive different translations before you make that purchase. Now, remember earlier we talked about throwing out the add-ons, all the marketing and formatting that the publishers put in there just to sell you a Bible? Remember, we talked about throwing that out. But once you've decided on which translation is, a be- is the best fit for you, now you can start looking at all the add-ons, the things like devotionals, commentaries, maps, charts, concordances, and other things that may be beneficial to you. Like I mentioned earlier, these things can be extremely helpful. We just shouldn't take them into consideration when looking at the translations we should purchase. Now that we have done all of this research and we know what translation we want to get, there still may be some issues that we need to consider. The translations we choose might be correct most of the time, but in some instances, it might not be. Sometimes a word-for-word translation may be extremely difficult to understand, so a thought-for-thought translation may be needed to give light on that passage. Other times, a dynamic translation may be way too general 
and we need to dig into a more formal translation in order to focus in on what was being taught. It might benefit you to have more than one translation for these kinds of things. This will help you to compare and contrast what you're reading, and it will give you a deeper understanding of particular passages. I would recommend getting at least two different translations of the Bible. One should be a formal word-for-word literal translation, and the other should be a more dynamic thought-for-thought translation. One marketing thing that Bible publishers have created is what's called a parallel Bible. They have taken two different translations of the Bible and formatted them together so they sit side by side on a page. Some of these can be two translations, four translations, some maybe even more. But these tend to be really helpful if you can find parallel Bibles with the translations that you are wanting together. As for me, I'm one of those people who have a bunch of different Bible translations. In the past, when I did extreme in-depth Bible studies, it was normal to have five, sometimes ten or more Bible translations opened on my desk. But over the years, I figured out which translations tend to suit my needs best. Today, I typically use one main translation and consult a second translation when I'm trying to understand a particular passage better. For me, I use a word-for-word Bible, the English Standard Version. This is my everyday reading and Bible study Bible. And then on top of that, I use a thought-for-thought translation, the New Living Translation. I do this to have contrast and clarity with difficult passages. Both translations are made by committees who are translating from the oldest available manuscripts into the language that I natively speak. And now, if I could be so bold as to make a recommendation for you, I would like to recommend the Fire Bible from Life Publishers for your consideration. This Bible is formatted by its publishers to include cross-references, study notes, book introductions, textural footnotes, articles, theme finders, charts, maps, and illustrations, subject indexes, reading plans, and a concordance. It has different formats for different age levels, so you can find a Fire Bible for children. There's the Teen Student Fire Bible, and then there's the Fire Bible for adults. You can choose from multiple biblical translations, from translations like the English Standard Version or the New King James Version. And then on top of that, there are translations in many other languages. When a Fire Bible is purchased, um, a portion of those proceeds actually go to translating this Bible into more languages for use in ministry around the world. In some areas where pastors cannot afford Bibles or they have no resources available, these Fire Bibles make great resource for them. And a lot of times, like at Bible colleges, like the one my father-in-law works at in West Africa, um, each graduate receives a fire bible upon graduating from the school this fire bible is great for personal bible studies it is great for pastors to preach from it is a great tool to to give to somebody as a gift and so it really fits with just about everything you could ever want or need from a study bible 
I do want to say that this is not a paid advertisement. Life Publishers did not ask me to do this. I simply love this Bible enough and use it. And so I want to tell other people about it. I will place links in the description below for Amazon. Um, now, these Amazon links are affiliate links. So if you click on them and actually make a purchase, I will receive a small kickback from Amazon and that will go to help my family's ministry. Well, that's it for this episode. Thank you for tuning in to the Grafted Podcast. If you liked this episode or found it helpful, it would mean a lot to me if you would like, rate, review, and subscribe. Also, remember that my family is supported by partnering churches and individuals like you who make it possible for us to reach the lost, train the found, and to create resources for discipleship, evangelism, and church growth. To find out more information on how you can partner with us, please go to our website, showingtheworld.com, or find us on Facebook at Showing the World or Instagram at Showing the World Jesus. Until next time, I'm your host, Adam Weatherly. Thanks for listening.